with thankful hearts we've come together this morning to celebrate the bounty of this beautiful day to bask in the warmth of this community to share with friends the tides of our lives to entertain perennially our hopes for a better future we join together this morning as always to resist injustice and inequality wherever they may be found and to embody a different way of being in this world. Our hearts are touched by the human need all around us, whether it's far away or within reach of our hand. We bear witness to the suffering and struggle. We come here to be together because this is how we believe our lives are best lived, in questioning and in conversation, in compassion and in service, in gratitude and in joy, in companionship and in love. It is good to be together with you this morning. These opening words by the retired Unitarian Universalist Minister Alanson Waller. They welcome all those who gathered here on Zoom this morning to take part in our Sunday service. Welcome to regular members of the congregation, to friends and visitors who are passing through today and uh, also, those who might be listening in via the podcast or watching on the YouTube channel later on. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name's Jane Blackall and I'm Ministry Coordinator with Kensington Unitarians. If anyone's here for the first time today, a special welcome to you. Um, I hope you find something of what you need in our community this morning. Feel free to hang around afterwards for a chat or come to one of our other activities during the week. That's a really good way to get to know us better and get a feel for this community. If you're a regular, thanks for all you do to welcome all those who come. We all have a part to play in co-creating this sacred space and this sense of beloved community. And as we always say, feel free to do what you need to do to relax and be comfortable. It is lovely to see your faces, but if you want to turn your camera off, that's also fine. There'll be opportunities to join in as we go along, but there's no compulsion. It is an invitation, not an obligation. This morning, we're going to be looking at one of the most well-known teaching stories from the Christian tradition, Jesus's parable of the Good Samaritan. It's a story which perhaps transcends its origins. It's given us an archetype which has meaning for people who aren't especially religious, as well as those who are really devout. It's an image now embedded in the collective consciousness, though perhaps many people are a bit fuzzy on the details and some of the nuances of its interpretation. So this morning, we're going to revisit this famous parable and we're going to hear from our very own Rachel Hills, who will share the story of a memorable Good Samaritan experience in her own life, before taking some time to reflect on what this story might have to teach us and its resonances for our world today. Before we go any further, though, I'm going to light our chalice as I do each time we gather. It's a simple ritual that connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over, and which reminds us of the proudly progressive historic tradition of which this gathering is part. Love is the aspiration, the spirit that moves and inspires this faith we share. Rightly understood, love can nurture our spirits and transform the world. So may the flame of this chalice honour and embody the power and the blessing of the love we need, the love we give, the love in action we are challenged always to remember and to share. And let's take all those joys and concerns we've heard expressed, those little windows into the human condition and the life of the world. Let's hold them in a spirit of loving kindness as we move into an extended time of prayer now. You might want to shift your position to get comfortable. You might want to close your eyes or soften your gaze, maybe look at the little candle flame. Do whatever you need to do to get into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together to be fully present in this sacred time and space with ourselves, each other, and that which is both within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being. As we turn our attention to the depths of this life, the cosmic mystery and wisdom that abides in all that is, 
we tune into your holy presence, the light within and without. Be with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and stillness at the very centre of our being. Each of us here gathered comes carrying our own private griefs and burdens. Sometimes we feel able to share these and for the open hearts which respond, we are grateful. Sometimes the world bears heavy on us. We struggle alone, search the depths and long for healing, for renewed hope, for strength, for grace and peace. Each of us here gathered knows something of life's blessings too. So this bright morning, let us give thanks for all of nature's bounties. Let's give thanks for caring friends and compassionate neighbours. Let us give thanks for the communion of all those who seek to serve others and to serve the highest good. May we be strengthened in our efforts to be of service. And may we always be mindful of all the good in our lives, whatever privilege, success or joy we happen to have been blessed with. May our prayer be that we always see clearly and keep before us the commandment to care, striving always to be generous, inclusive and open. On this day and every day, may we give thanks but let us also be dissatisfied with the world as it is, for a new world, a new realm of love is still waiting to be fully realised. May our spirits and bodies be nourished and nurtured as we give thanks in praise of all that sustains and heals and holds us, all that is most holy and good. And in a quiet moment of reflection now, let us look back over the week just gone, and call to mind some of those more challenging and unsettling moments that we have lived through. This week will have brought many challenges for our community, for ordinary people the world over. Let us hold all those struggles in the light of compassion. Let's also take a moment to call to mind the blessings that have come our way. Let's pay special attention, perhaps, to life's helpers and all their unsung acts of service. This week may have brought us moments of uplift and delight or beauty and pleasure, maybe just a little respite and relief. Let us take a little time to give thanks for all that is good. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness, and we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward now to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Time for us to sing. Our first hymn today is a recording of the Unitarian Music Society and it continues our prayerful spirit. Blessed spirit of my life asks for strength, serenity and help to live a loving and compassionate life, one that's in tune with our values. The words will be up on screen so you can sing along at home. 
you might prefer just to listen. We will do our best to make sure you're all kept safely muted. Parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan... As he travelled, came where the man was, and he saw him. He took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. My good Samaritan, all was going to plan. My son Ben rang and told me that his wife, Anne Louise, had gone into labour with their much-wanted and anticipated second child. Excitedly, I packed a suitcase to stay a few days so that I could look after their first-born son, George. Then I hurried over to Sandgate. Hours later, and in the middle of the night, Ben returned to their home, bewildered and with devastating news. Their baby, Arthur, was born with Pateau syndrome, cleft palate, no eyes, and an additional finger on his left hand. Darkness descended on all of us. Arthur, was kept alive by a galaxy of machines 
while Anne Louise and Ben came to some kind of realization as to what had happened. It took days for Anne Louise to find the reserves to visit Arthur. Eventually, Anne Louise was strong enough to have George, then aged two, visit his new brother. George and I set off, taking with us a birth present for Arthur that George had chosen whilst out shopping with me. It was a very, very large, shiny, red, push-along-the-floor fire engine. Leaving George at the hospital with his parents and baby Arthur, I headed for the shops with a shopping list of food for Ben, George and myself, together with a list of items Anne Louise wanted for when Arthur went home. Reality at that time had not sunk in. A large supermarket near to the hospital seemed just the answer. I parked and then struggled to locate the items on the list. A new supermarket and exhaustion seemed to make the task almost beyond my capabilities. However, flushed with success, I returned to my car, only to find it sandwiched between two huge cars with simply no possibility of me getting into the car through either door. My tears fell. No more than a few tears later, a slim young man in fairly scruffy jeans approached and asked what was wrong. I told him that I needed to get back to the hospital, but could not get into my car. No problem, he said, requesting my keys. To this day, I have simply no idea how he managed to get into the driving seat by wriggling in through the boot of my little two-door Peugeot 207. He then expertly reversed out of an extremely tight space. Hopping out, he returned the back seats to their normal position, loaded my shopping into the boot and disappeared without acknowledging the appreciative round of applause from the then onlookers and my tears of gratitude. I have received countless acts of impulsive kindness in my life. Maneuvering three young children born within 12 and a half months of each other brought many challenges, which were often solved by strangers. When my mobility has been challenged, passers-by have stepped forward to help. Indeed, I received such kindnesses just a couple of Saturdays ago. However, that slim, nimble young man man's stepping forward out of nowhere, assessing the situation, working out a solution, giving his time and ability to getting me back to the hospital remains a significant few moments in my life. An incident I will never forget. Of course, in hindsight, there were other less dramatic ways of solving the problem. I could have taken the number of the car parked on my offside and requested that the store tannoy a request for the owner to come and move it. But for me, at that moment, it was simply the last straw. And there I was, the person who was supposedly holding the family together in a supermarket car park in tears, un unable to imagine a way out of the jam I had found myself in. That young man was truly a good Samaritan. The story of the Good Samaritan in the Bible reads as though Jesus was explaining to an expert in Jewish law 
that neighborliness crosses social boundaries, cultures, and man-made laws. Remember, Samaritans were not considered proper Jews. The young man who rescued me was certainly outside my circle of friends. Indeed, a young man whom I would have viewed with slight inquiry had he turned up at my front door for whatever reason. And recently, COVID has taught us all many things. But for me, it has been the unexpected warmth in a stranger's returned hello. They could well have been the only living person I would meet that day. A good Samaritan? Yes. Surely it is those unplanned, impulsive acts of kindness, compassion and caring that just happen, which are truly the acts of a good Samaritan. Thank you, Rachel. And thanks also to Anthony for giving our reading today. Come now to a time of meditation. I'm going to offer just a few words for reflection uh, on the theme of the Good Samaritan by Sister Joan Chittister. These words will be followed by a few minutes of shared stillness during which we'll have our virtual chalice on screen and the silence will end with some meditative music from Sandra. So again, let's each do what we need to do to feel comfortable. I want to shuffle your position. You might want to get your feet flat on the floor to help ground and steady yourself. You might want to close your eyes. As we always say, these words, these images, this music, they're just an offering. Feel free to use this time to meditate in a way that works for you. Joan Chittister writes, I know a Samaritan when I see one. They're the people whose face I cannot read, whose background I do not know, whose reputation I do not like, and whose heart is unknown to me. There's a Samaritan waiting in every one of our lives, the scripture implies, someone from whom we expect very little, but from whom, if we listen, we can receive a great deal. Think for a minute. Who was your Samaritan this week? Who surprised you with kindness or gratitude or insight? Samaritans are people who remind us to be what we insist we should be, but seldom are. They start us with a glimpse of our better selves just when we've almost forgotten the sight of it. Think for a minute. Were you perhaps a Samaritan this week? Were there opportunities to offer kindness or gratitude or insight to another? As we move now into this time of shared stillness, let us meditate on the Samaritans we have known and the Samaritan we might be.
The Good Samaritan, as I mentioned earlier in the service, is one of those parables that has somewhat transcended its origins. If you speak about a Good Samaritan, most people, religious or not, will probably have at least approximate sense of what you mean by the phrase. Maybe someone who unselfishly acts to help another who's in distress. Maybe someone who shows an unusual degree of compassion or generosity, perhaps in a situation where it's a bit surprising for them to do so. Rachel, in her reflection earlier, hinted at that added dimension of the Samaritan being someone who's not like us, a stranger, perhaps someone from a different social group, maybe a foreigner. The story in its original context very much plays on and upends notions of respectability too. the priest and the Levite, the ones who were supposed to be all holy and righteous. They ignore the broken, naked man and leave him lying on the ground. But the Samaritan. And at the time, people from Samaria were looked down on by those who would have been listening to Jesus. The Samaritan is the only one who acts in the spirit of the commandment, love your neighbour as yourself. And so this challenges the prejudiced expectations of the listener. Arguably, Jesus told the story in such a way such as to cut across the xenophobic or racist attitudes of the time and place to jolt his listeners awake. The one who might have been stereotyped as a baddie showed compassion to an extraordinary degree, while the pious ones who were supposed to be the good guys just walked on by. And so it underlines another aspect of what it means to be a good Samaritan, perhaps, by reminding us that we should be open and ready to help those who are not like us. 
and perhaps also be, to remind us for that matter that we should be ready to receive help from those who are not like us as well. None of this, I hope, is especially controversial to a modern Unitarian congregation. That, as far as it goes, in a nutshell, is the core of the traditional interpretation of the passage. It strikes me that with any teaching story, especially one that's taken on this almost archetypal status like the Good Samaritan has, we each have a certain amount of freedom to play with it, to turn it this way and that, to derive our own meaning from it and enable it to truly speak to our time and context. Each and every one of us will latch on to different aspects of the story and perhaps it will land differently on us each time we hear it, like an ink block test, revealing our inner landscape as we notice what leaps out at us this time and what it makes us think and feel about ourselves and our lives and the life of the world. So what do I hear in it, at least this time around? Well, in response to his question now, Jesus endorses the great commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. These are the most central pillars of the law and as such should be guiding principles in our lives. And Jesus asked, Jesus was asked, who is my neighbour? And this is answer by the way of a story. We might interpret the story in various ways. Perhaps the most direct interpretation is to say, your neighbor is the person right in front of you. Your neighbor is the person within reach. The person is within your power to help, regardless of their race or status or religion or nationality, social group, reputation, identity, or any other factors that might make them seem not like you. Any person in need has inherent worth and dignity and if you happen to be in a position to help them today, just do it, right? There are other nuances we could draw out of the story, though, as we try to apply it to our own lives and times. If the main point is that the neighbour is any person within reach who we could help, but what it means for someone to be in reach is a bit different these days. We are constantly painfully aware of sufferings of all sorts going on around the globe. I hope none of us would argue that by Jesus' way of thinking, we only need to care about those ones who are physically, literally within reach, those we meet by the roadside along life's journey, or those who are our literal next door neighbours. Nowadays, we can reach out in compassion to those who are suffering worldwide in various ways, most obviously by donating or campaigning, speaking out in support or solidarity, reaching out to people for personal consolation. But given the scale and complexity of the world's need and our unprecedented levels of awareness about it, that can feel like a bit of an overwhelming ask. In some sense, there are nearly 8 billion people now in our reach. And we're often painfully aware of the interconnected nature of all existence. Returning to the story, it occurs to me that Jesus's questioner could perhaps have asked a second question in addition to who is my neighbour if he wanted to know how he was supposed to fulfill this command to love his neighbour he could also have asked what does it mean to love the story of the good samaritan already gives an interesting answer to this question though first of all perhaps to love someone means to see them really see them see them as a being with inherent worth and dignity see their suffering and need and not just look the other way or walk on by because it's hard or inconvenient to witness. And secondly, it means to show practical compassion, to attend to their basic material needs, administer first aid, give them a place of shelter and safety, food and drink, provide for their care. To love, in this sense, isn't really anything to do with how we feel about our neighbour, whether we like them, approve of them, agree with their politics. Love is a matter of practical action, stepping up to meet the immediate needs in service of one who's suffering, whoever they might be. And it occurs to me that some of our practical action might be collective, a form of love enacted by the existence of a functional and generous welfare safety net. But perhaps that's a sermon or a soapbox for another day. Another key aspect of the story for me is that it acknowledges something about our limits. An important message for us in these times where we might indeed feel overwhelmed by the scale of human need. Even the Good Samaritan, after personally tending to the wounded man's immediate needs, the Good Samaritan takes him to an inn 
pays up front for a couple of weeks, bread and board, and goes on his way. Though he says he'll pop by on his way back to cover any extra expenses that come up. Perhaps each of us must discern what we can afford to offer in the way of help. The Good Samaritan has money, that's how it happens, and so he can pay for someone else to look after the man while he gets about his own business. Someone else might not have been able to afford that, but perhaps could have taken him under their own roof and cared for him themselves. In the past week, we've heard quite a bit about the Homes for Ukraine scheme. Now, apparently over 100,000 people in the UK have offered to take in and sponsor Ukrainian families fleeing the war. But not all of us have got the capacity to do that. And when I say capacity or afford, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about energy. I'm talking about spoons. I'm talking about time. We've each got to discern what we've got it in us to give. And knowing our limits is okay. We see the suffering. We don't turn away from it. And we do what we can with the resources that we have. And Ukraine is sadly, tragically, just one of many situations of suffering that deserve our attention today and every day. It's important that we each do something to relieve the world's suffering, but we mustn't berate ourselves for the fact that we can't do it all or burn ourselves out through taking on too much. To uh, misquote a famous phrase, we must do what we can with what we have in the place where we are. And that'll have to be enough. me when pondering this famous parable. I wonder what arises in you. These classic stories have a lot to teach if we take time to engage with them carefully. I want to bring this mini reflection to a close with another short time of prayer. I couldn't identify the author for this, but it, uh, it comes from a piece on the website of the Baptist Union of Great Britain, and I'm grateful for it. So perhaps we might take another little moment to settle ourselves into a prayerful spirit once more. Spirit of life, God of all love, give us a deep and abiding love for you so that we can see the world as you see it. Feel the compassion you feel and be a people whose lives mediate your love to others. Open our eyes that we might see what the Good Samaritan saw. Grant us the insight to see the need in others around us, the wisdom to know what to do and the will to do it. And so we pray for all those in many and various ways who have been stripped and beaten and left for dead. We pray for those children who must grow up in the most awful and traumatic of circumstances, especially for those starved of love or food or shelter or security. May they receive the future you have dreamed for them. We pray for those we might cross the road to avoid, for all those who have been marginalised and disadvantaged because of their race, their status, their identity, their ability or their history. May the dignity that is theirs be restored to them. We pray for those whose need we would not face up to because it requires action of us. All those who suffer because of war, unjust laws, oppressive governments or those that hoard wealth. May the world receive a true understanding of their suffering and the factors that cause it, that justice may be done. Open our eyes that we might not cross the road from human need. Give us a deep and abiding love for you, that we might see your love at work in this world and that we might go and do likewise for the greater good of all. Amen. Time for one more hymn. 
Uh, this one's a recording of our own congregation from a few years ago, so please excuse any rustling you might hear. It's called Brother, Sister, Let Me Serve You. We don't sing this one very often, and it's a shame, I reckon, because the words are very poignant, very beautiful. The words are much more directly Christian than we typically have in our services here at Kensington, so I hope we can each do any internal translation that feels necessary to connect with the spirit of this very lovely hymn. for a few announcements. Thank you to Rachel for your reflection. Thanks to Anthony for the reading. Uh, thanks to Sandra for the music. Great to have you back on board, Sandra. Thanks to John for co-hosting today. We'll have virtual coffee time after the service as usual, so you can stay for a chat if you'd like. If that's not your thing, as I say, do get in touch. You can drop us an email or come along to one of our other small groups during the week. If you can bear to hang around, we'd like to take a group photo after the closing music. That online programme continues. We've got coffee morning as usual at 10.30 this Tuesday. Liz is hosting this week. There's still a few spaces left to join Heart and Soul tonight or Friday. That's a contemplative spiritual gathering, lasts about an hour and a half. This week's theme is accepting what is. Uh, even if you've never been before, it's not too late to give it a try for the first time. It's a very good way to get to know other people. This congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings, so we encourage you to keep in touch during the week. Let's look out for each other as best we can. Um, last call for help next Sunday, back on Zoom, we'll be having a congregational service for Mother's Day. If you might want to say a few words or perhaps write a longer reflection on the meaning of mothering in your life, please do get in touch as soon as you can so we can have a chat about ways in which you might contribute. I've got a couple of volunteers, but I could do with a couple more. Uh, we'll be taking the subject in the broadest sense and acknowledging that our relationships with mothers and motherhood can be quite complicated. We won't just be doing the uh, greeting card version. It will be a much more nuanced view of Mother's Day and all it might evoke in us. And looking further ahead, if you are able to get along to in-person events, please save the date for our next hybrid service, which will be on Easter Sunday. That's the 17th of April. We've just got our closing words and closing music now. I invite you to select gallery view once more at this point so we can 
all get a look at each other in a sense of our gathered community as we close the service. We've come together to share our deepest concerns, speaking and singing words of inspiration and hope. We've committed ourselves to do what we can to ease the burdens of those who suffer, to stand for decency and compassion. We've pledged to work for a better world for us and all the generations that will follow. But these are just words, the hymns we sing, just songs, our reflections, just idle thoughts, until we give them life. When we convert them into loving and responsible action throughout the week and throughout our lives, only then will this morning truly be what we want it to be, a time of worship. So let us take that spirit of true worship out with us as we meet the days to come. Amen.